a playlist original. All right, hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of Back to the Blockbuster with your host Gansen Jackson. Another episode of Mary Benjamin's. How's it going, buddy? It's going good. Seeing lots of each other today. It's awesome getting a lot of uh, <laughs> Back to the Blockbuster episodes filmed together, and it's nice to do another more conventional Christmas movie this time around, and one that I have not seen in a while. So it's good to be talking about Home Alone today. How was yeah. uh, your viewing of this movie? uh yeah it was good i actually i planned on watching it by myself but then we uh i told you last friday we went to that 12 bars of christmas thing Mm. and we went to my buddy justin's house and uh 
we had time before we had to go to the pub call and he was like well let's just watch it now and it was just like eight of us that sat oh, down and watched nice. it we actually watched both of them we watched home alone and home alone too uh because we had time for both before going and uh it was actually nice. fun because like, we were it, I, we were watching it like we were children again like even though we're all like yeah. everyone's in their like late 20s to like mid late 30s so yeah. like, we were still watching it like kids and i think that's just kind of like the power of that movie is that it kind of brings out this kind of childlike uh definitely it had a similar impact so let me ask you this when you're watching movies with that many people are you watching or is it constant chatter are you like how is that viewing experience are you guys getting the watch done or so it it starts it starts off as a solid watch everyone's watching it And then you're kind of with eight people sitting in silence. Yeah, and then you're and then you're kind of referencing what's going on on screen. And of course, some people are getting more distracted than others. Uh, They're still watching it, but you're still having conversations with amongst you know each other. Uh, I think myself and three other people were really really watching it and then kind of talking amongst ourselves about the movie. Um, But it is hard to watch a movie with that many people. Um, I yeah. I mean, unless it could be like a really fun time, but like it's yeah. It's yep. good. I like watching comedies with a bunch of friends that because you're not really that invested. If you're you're laughing and then you can have a, th- a throwaway side conversation. But if you're watching something, I guess this wouldn't really be something you need to be too too invested in. But I wouldn't yeah. bother watching like a something I was interested in analyzing and actually watching with that many people. This would yeah. be passable though for sure, and yeah, it's good Christmas sure. humor. Yeah. Right, and this is actually the earliest I really watch it. I usually watch it on Christmas Day. Oh yeah, uh, okay. It's a, it's like an early morning, like uh, one nice. of the first things I watch on Christmas Day. Um, so this was different. Uh, I still might watch it on Christmas Day. Who knows? But uh, yeah, this is the earliest I've watched it in a very long time. Uh, I don't know what I'm gonna watch on Christmas Day this year. Last year it was Cocktail with my dad. We watched Tom Cruise. <laughs> he watched Cocktail. first time ever, and I actually liked it. It's got like a twelve meta score. That movie's much yeah, better. Yeah, really. It got it got ratchet reviews, but it, I don't know it, why. It made, it made a lot of money, but oh, yeah. that's good. But yeah, anyway, that was what I watched. That's, such a, random, that's yeah. such a random movie to watch on Christmas Day. And the year prior <laughs> was The Green Knight, which takes place on Christmas Day. Besides yes. not being a Christmas movie at all. Um, that's that's so funny. How did cocktail even come up? <laughs> uh, because dad just had brought it up to me a few times. This is one of those movies from back in the day that he likes that he wanted me to see, and the time was right. It was Christmas. We'd finished opening presents. We'd had breakfast and had nothing better to do while mom was cooking the Christmas turkey because that's something she does alone. So that's yeah, how we yeah. spent the afternoon together, and I quite enjoyed it. I don't think I ever would have watched it otherwise because I looked kind of snobby. I looked at it as like twelve Metascore. Like obviously this is not worth touching, but even right. though it's Tom Cruise early pre Top Gun Tom Cruise, if I'm not mistaken, yep. uh, and yeah, I thought it was actually quite uh, charming, funny, good little story. But anyway, besides the point, I'm not sure what I'll watch on Christmas Day this year, um, but I'll watch something. Just yeah, not sure, sure what yet. Maybe Die Hard because I haven't seen that yet. Oh, that's uh, a good one. Year. Maybe. Maybe I'll try. Maybe I'll try to see the Christmas spirit in Lethal Weapon. I know I brought that up. I was like, I don't see it the way Cam, other people do. Yeah. <laughs> Cam just so watched that I'll with try. his mom. He was saying. Maybe I'll try. Yeah. I'll try this year. Um, but uh, we covered Home Alone two last year, or you didn't, but uh, actually, right. JC, who JC was actually on. Uh, we recorded an episode earlier with uh, Merc with the movies, and he was actually on that episode when we covered Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. 
because uh, it had a uh, milestone anniversary last year. Mm-hmm. And then you asked if I ever talked about Home Alone on this show, and I have never actually uh, done Home Alone. So this is the perfect time to do it because nice. it is the qu- quintessential Christmas movie for a lot of people. Um, and this is going to be silly. We all know that you know what Home Alone is, but just <laughs> in case you don't, uh, it's a Christmas comedy directed by Chris Columbus and written and produced by John Hughes. Uh, it's the first film in the Home Alone franchise, and it stars Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, John Hurd, and Catherine O'Hara. Uh, in the film, Culkin plays Kevin McAllister, a boy who defends his suburban Chicago home from a home invasion by a pair of robbers after his family accidentally leaves him behind on their Christmas vacation to Paris. Are you here all by yourself? I'm eight years old. You think I'd be here alone? I don't think so. What would you do if your parents accidentally left you home alone? Well, how about shopping? Shaving? Crowbars up? This is my house. I have to defend it. And good old-fashioned crime fighting. Home Alone, the new comedy by John Hughes, directed by Chris Columbus, rated PG. Starts Friday at theaters everywhere. Uh, when Home Alone came out, it was a huge financial success. It grossed oh, $476.7 million worldwide. Whoa. And it became becoming the highest grossing live action comedy until the release of The Hangover Part 2 in 2011. Um, it was also the second highest grossing film of 1990 behind Ghosts. And it was nominated for the Golden Globe Award for Best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy. And Macaulay Culkin was nominated for Best Actor in a Motion Picture Musical or Comedy as well. Not bad for a <laughs> Not bad at all. And it also uh, was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Score for John Williams and Best Original Song for Somewhere in My uh, Memory. Uh, Home Alone has since been considered one of the best Christmas films ever made. So uh, when did you first see Home uh, Home Alone? Oh, much too young to really remember. I grew up watching this movie. It was always on around Christmas time, even though I don't. It had been a long time since I last visited it. I don't even know if I've really watched this movie since really becoming like a cinephile, if you will. Um, But I'd seen it somewhere over the years, like fairly recently, maybe last as like an early teenager. But uh, no, it had been a significant amount of time. But I found I remembered much, most of this movie, if not the order of the sequences, I still remembered everything. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up watching this. This was always on. I was... Well, I was not around when this came out in 1990, but uh, it was still very relevant in my youth. Um, yeah. But what about you? I know you were very young when this came out. Was it big? Obviously, it was huge. It was huge when I was a kid. Um, yeah. And, and my mom had, even though I, I was watching horror movies around this time too, but like my mom had a real conflict about me seeing it because it was, I saw it multiple times. I actually, we convinced her to, you know, take me to go see it my friends to go see it with us multiple times it was that kind of movie for us when we were kids right but it's pg PG, but at the time when it came out it got it got a lot of flack for how violent it was and how uh the child a child especially having a child be the one that's uh causing said violence but looking at it as an adult like all the violence is so cartoony that you can't even like yeah seriously um but it was one of those things where like my mom told me that a lot of the parents at that time were like, should we let our kids watch this? Is it something that they should or should not be watching? But um, it was huge for me when I was a kid. I watched it a lot when it came out on VHS. Mm -hmm. 
and then of course in the years since and it's um it is my favorite christmas movie i think i can say that uh easily uh out of all the ones that are out there and i know there's some big ones like christmas vacation and elf and uh you know i'll even say love actually and all that stuff but like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this is the one that uh and oddly enough i mean i think even though i think home alone 2 feels like more christmasy than this one because of the new york setting and all that okay, um, that okay, feels yeah. much more christmas i uh there's nothing i christmas is not complete without home alone is yeah, I know it feels that way. I think I'll start watching this more regularly after having seen it this year, because uh, it was very yeah. charming. Got me in the spirit for sure. I mean, it's still, uh, it was up until very recently snowy over here, but we just got a bunch of rain and it was 15 degrees Celsius. Ooh. So that is quite warm <laughs> for December. <laughs> okay. Um, so all our snow is gone, but like in the meantime, like while I was watching this, it felt very i had my christmas tree up the day i was watching this a little late i like nice. to have had it up earlier um but i was very much in the spirit after watching it and i was like oh that feels nice this feels like a good kickstarter for me because i'm i enjoy my christmas season in small bursts yeah so. that makes sense i mean i i like there's a certain like we've do those reels and stuff together there's a certain time when like you want this stuff to happen like when it's the music the movies the decorating um, right and uh but yeah, I could see like Home Alone never fails to get me in the Christmas mood. Mm. Um, even though, even though, um, when the as the movie starts, the McAllister family, um, they're not the nicest bunch, at least not to Kevin, <laughs> not to um, Kevin, certainly. I, no, and like when I was watching it with my buddies, I was like, dude, like they're like, nope, they're not a great family. I, I don't know, <laughs> they, they, they are like really, I understand why he's kind of like the way he is. I mean, he got a lot of, he of course he's little and he's young and they're picking on him because of that but right. like i don't know like it, it's a, the family dynamics in home alone are like really interesting because it's like i was like and also we don't even of course we don't meet them in the movie at all but it doesn't see i don't think kevin has friends that we know of so like it's just like there's no real all his interactions are just with his family and adults and they're True. all just kind of really awful to him i know that was the vibe i got watching it this time i was like they're just really not nice to him. He, now he is very precocious and kind of rude himself, but he learned it mm -hmm. from somewhere. <laughs> it seemed like he learned point. it from them. Yeah, he uh, he's not your average, typical kid by any means. Yeah, uh, what did you think of their family dynamics? So, like in the the whole like setup, uh, kind of chaos of like the opening of the movie and all that. Um, I think it adds a lot of charm to the movie and sets up. Kevin's predicament quite well. I, I can't say I relate to the family dynamics in this, but I come from a, a small family, but extended family. When we we're talking about aunts, uncles, and cousins, like are right. depicted in the earlier parts of these movies, I also skew younger. I'm one of the youngers. So growing up around having a lot of family over at Christmas, I could kind of relate to Kevin being the younger cousin slash child of a bigger family. Yeah. Uh, so that part is always like, it puts me back in that feeling growing up. Uh, and I guess it was technically early 2000s when I was a child around Christmas time, but uh, it, it, I could relate a little bit to Home Alone in that sense. That's about where the relation ends, but uh, <laughs> I think it's done fun. It felt more of its time than you would see these days. I feel like you wouldn't get this sort of family dynamic depiction in anything in the last few years, but it felt like right at home in the 90s. I don't know if I'm... Yeah. If you no, I think you're right. Or... I think you're right, because I think that like 
it would come off from a today's audiences as more harsh. Yeah, the way that they're they're interacting with each other, like it doesn't feel like loving, and right. like, you like know, child protection like, services would be called. Yeah, yeah, if, CPS. If your neighbors like, acted uh, like this. Yeah, yeah, like uh, you know it. It's interesting because like oh yeah, my family we razz each other, so like I'm kind of there is some of that in there too. Okay, but like but some of it in this movie felt like more direct to just really mean. Like I just think it's funny that they're just gonna like. I would be upset with too if I was being purposely told I wanted to have to sleep with like one of my relatives who knowingly eats the bed. <laughs> <laughs> like I had like 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 you're gonna make me sleep with him, and that's not fair. Or then if or if like one of my older relatives like ate all the cheese pizza, and like I'm the one that clearly cheese pizza is my favorite, right? And, you know, Buzz is an asshole, and he Buzz is an asshole. Yeah, fucking jams it down his throat, and like knows that it's gonna piss uh, Kevin <laughs> off. Uh, but then, like, you have like, was it is his, is his uncle? Is like Frank, right? The yeah, like when, when when all that chaos happens after like he gets mad about the cheese pizza and he like pushes Buzz and then like the soda and stuff spills, and the fact that he just blatantly just says like, "Look what you did, you little jerk!" Like it, that it seems like it's too far, uh, certainly. A little bit. But yeah, I. It just makes it funny that like it turns into this like loving thing later once they realize they've left him at the well, house. Yeah. By it's kind of heartwarming. <laughs> so you don't know what you got till it's gone. And clearly this family needed to realize what it was missing in order to come together again, which I thought was a very nice theme. And just something about like Don Hughes writing that is so timeless and so yeah. universal that uh, no matter who or what your family circumstances are, you could sort of like get behind what you're seeing in this movie. And I think that Chris Columbus directing John Hughes writing combo is something I would have loved yeah. to see more from Like They work so well together. Of course, we just covered uh, another Chris Columbus project with gremlins. Oh, gremlins. Yeah. Yeah. Which was cool. Um, I think he's kind of like a sneaky Christmas uh, filmmaker. Yeah. 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 Even like the like first Harry gets, Potter, gets, right? Comes yeah, kind of takes yeah, that feels, it feels, yeah, yeah. He gets yeah. like the unconventional one, and then like the you know the one everyone talks about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's your theory on what the McAllisters do for a living? Because they seem to have like an mm. influx of money. Yeah, it's not. It's <laughs> not really uh, explicitly mentioned, is it? Because yeah, no, is it? There's a I, lot of internet theories where like they they said the dad's like in the mob. Like there's like, there's, <laughs> it, gets really, like it gets like really funny where like. Like some people were like, no, I think the dad might be a day trader and like all that. Oh, that stuff. works. And that, but we don't really know what like to to fun like, because like it's the brother that's like taking care of like the the main trip to France, I believe. But like it's right, like but it's to house that many relatives in the house like that. Yeah, and take them all on that. I mean, it's expensive. It's not I know there's been people on the internet that have broken down the finances of like just the cost of that house in 1990, the cost of the trip and all the plane tickets for the family to Paris and yep. all that. I know it's been done, but I've never heard concretely what they think. I think day trade is a good guess, but I think if he was, he'd probably live closer to the East Coast because what takes place in Chicago. Chicago, yeah. What's Chicago? What's the industry in Chicago known for? Automotive. I think it might be right, actually. Um, the the honest trailer for this movie is so hilarious because they uh do you know screen junkies? Like they they make fun of like they create fake movie trailers where they make I've fun of heard of the them, movies. yeah. I don't know if I've seen um, any. And I just love at the beginning of the honest trailer for this one, they just say, like, welcome to the whitest part of Chicago, because it's like very like That's it's a, very Caucasian. <laughs> very Caucasian point. it is. Yeah. Um but yeah, you don't really get like I was I always like 
as I got older, I was like, what do what the hell do they do for a living to fund yeah. like a trip like that? Because I've never with my family would have never thought of going to Paris for Christmas. Right. <laughs> like that never that never would have come up uh, in our family at all. Like no, it's always been I've like a local s- thing. Or yeah. you occasionally you go you go out of state to go maybe visit uh, another family member, but never right. like. I've never spent a a Christmas abroad. Yeah, I've never been into that. I don't think I'll even do that as like going like once I have my own like family. I I like being home for the holidays. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, I would never think to do that. And the fact that they do it twice. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah, that that, yeah, it's ridiculous. What's the premise of the second one? They they go to New York and Kevin just gets lost while his family is still in New York. So like he they they're no, going to flight right they're they're going yeah different flight and they think and he thinks that he's following his dad because he's like trying to fix something in his bag and then right. he runs after who he thinks is his dad from behind yeah and then, I recall that now and I think and I think they're going to Florida this time I think they, I think they were more sensible in parts of <laughs> and, yeah and then like and then he ends up going to New York and then they're like fuck how do worst I do parents fight? ever yeah. <laughs> ever. And of course, yeah, well, the Wet Bandits are there in New York too. What are the odds? Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah Home Alone Two is the same movie, just on a larger scale. Yeah, <laughs> but it has it has the same beats. Like he meets a kind homeless stranger. Like yeah, yeah. There's a lot. The Bird Lady. <laughs> the Bird Lady in Part Two, and then yeah, I'm assuming the old guy. So maybe he's not homeless. Was he was he homeless? Uh, in, in Part in Home Alone. No, I don't yeah. think so. he's like the neighbor right next door. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. like, I remember growing up though thinking that he was like because he's so scary as a child, right? He scared actually, me as a child. Yeah. 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 Honestly, great filmmaking techniques employed in this movie, like the camera angles and the lenses that are used to depict like adults versus Kevin. Like yeah. it's I think they frame um and actually I didn't know this until this was mentioned in a video I was watching from Joe Blow about Home Alone, and they sort of quip on how uh, the guy who plays Old Man Marley is the guy mm-hmm. that sells the car to Arnie and Christine. I didn't never, yeah. I never picked up on that, which is kind of yeah, hilarious. Really, yeah. yeah, yeah, but he's a very imposing physical presence in Home Alone until you realize he's just a nice, like mild mannered yeah. guy next door. But to any and kid, I, he'd be scary. He'd be kind of scary, and I always wondered that, like, because you know how Kevin has, like, when he's left Home Alone, he has his imagination makes like the whole, like the whole furnace thing more scary than it is. Right. I always thought, I always wonder if his imagination made old man Marley more scary. Like maybe he never was scary to Kevin. Like the right. whole time when he like, when he's in the store and he like uh, steals a toothbrush because he like the old man slams his hand on the counter. Right. I was Which like, I wonder if that was scary. just all like, but I was, I was wondering like, is that all in Kevin's head? If he's like building it up as like a scarier thing than it actually is. And well, there's that scene early when the kids are talking about the theory of him being like a serial killer that got away killer. with it. I think that helps yeah. like make Kevin afraid of him, but uh, definitely his, you know, his childlike naivety, naivete, not really knowing, you know, just yeah. that he's a, yeah, just letting his imagination run wild, like with the furnace, I think is a good example yeah. too. I also love that Kieran Culkin is fuller, the, the relative that pees in the bed, uh, that from drinking all the Pepsi. That's his uh, brother. That's his brother, and I think it's funny. That I they don't never make, knew that. Yeah, that's funny that they don't make Fuller his brother. They make him like a cousin. Or yeah, like what that the heck? The that's so cool. But yeah, it's Kieran Culkin, uh, just scarfing down Pepsi, getting ready to pee on his brother. For- <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny because it is. I don't find it looks like Macaulay Culkin. Like I thought I would notice that. Yeah, they look more alike now. I think uh, as like men, but yeah, like I guess definitely, yeah, for sure. Um, 
And this is also, I think it's funny too for Joe Pesci. This he in the same year that this came out, he also did uh Goodfellas. So like the two oh like God, two right. very polar opposite movies. And I think it's just funny too, because they said while they were making it, which is why he does that whole like that whole like fretcher, fretcher, that that stuff. Because yeah. he would actually curse and they're like, Hey, this is a kid's movie, you can't curse. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he was like, Well, what can I do? So like he just came up with that instead of like gibberish saying, like, sort of swearing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern are a great pair in this. I love how it just starts off with Joe Pesci pretending to be like, well, he was he pretty like a like a cop that's like someone that's like surveying like the houses Which, or whatever. It, it's so ridiculous. Doesn't happen. Like, <laughs> no. So yeah, we're just making sure you know because break-ins are common in the area this time of year that you guys have all your you know safety yeah. plan in place. It's like no officers yeah. wasting their time doing that. Or can you not see right through that? But it's funny, like I'm sure kids wouldn't think anything twice about it. But I guess it's 1990. Like, I, I don't know if things were Perhaps. different in 1990. Uh, yeah. I do love that he can't like it takes a while for him to get anyone's attention in the house. Like when yeah. he's trying to like talk to anybody. Like do you the, live there's here? one do you Are live you here? At home? <laughs> yeah. And then when he's trying to talk to the two relatives, he's like, uh, you guys you guys went to vacation? And they're just staring up at him, like not talking to him <laughs> at all. Right. And there's that one moment where Kevin runs to the house and he's like trying to talk to him. And he's just yelling like pizza, pizza, and like it just runs right by him. Uh, yeah, it's really just really funny uh, stuff from all of them. Yeah, I I love like the the family stuff, even though it is kind of like I, I poked fun at it being like kind of mean. I I do love that it kind of sets up the kind of hustle and bustle of what that Christmas can be like sure. uh, during that time, and like it's especially if you have that many relatives staying at your house. <laughs> I would not. I I would. I don't mind visiting relatives like that, mm. and I don't mind them visiting right. me like that. But I have a overnight over I like an overnighter like that. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. way too many, way too also, many relatives. I feel one of the more unrealistic parts towards the beginning is when Kevin gets banished to like the attic, like his room. That is such a sweet pad for a kid. Yeah, like, that attic kid. bedroom is so sick. I mean, I'd happily spend all my time up there. Like I'd be going up there anyway. You wouldn't have to punish me to get me up there. But that was kind of funny. I think that conversation yeah. too with his mom when he is getting punished, like after dinner, after the pizza fiasco, when she's sending him up there and he wishes that he never had a family and never sees him yeah. again. Like oh, she says like say it again and maybe it'll happen. Yeah, that is uh, such a. It's like it's it's like sweet because you can tell the like the lesson that she's trying to instill in him and he just yeah. isn't picking up on it. Like it's a sweet like. Uh, mother son moments, even though it's sort of like yeah, snotty from she, his. I think she says something along the lines like, "You'd be like, think you'd be pretty upset if that happened." And he said, mm. "Like, no, I won't." And then she's like, "All right, fine." Like, yeah, and <laughs> and like, and, you know, and like, and I'm glad that you picked up on that because sometimes I think it can be read as like, what parent would say that to a kid? Like, all right, say right. it again, and like maybe it'll happen. But she mm. is trying to teach him some kind of lesson in that, and but he's so like, you know. He's, I mean, and he you see, has a, you get why he's so pissed and like why he feels yeah. like he's like just the run to the litter and why he's so right upset with his family. I think that's a great job with the writing too. Is like you're getting both sides of the of the coin here, right? Which it's not just skewed one or the other. Yeah, and also you're you're learning pretty early on. I mean, like he's good throughout the whole movie, but Macaulay Culkin at that time was just a natural. Like he, he because like because some kids like that when they're that age in movies like this, you're just like, uh, like it's not cute, it's annoying, and true. Like precocious uh. kids in movies like this are always frustrating sometimes. Yeah, but he he had really great 
comic timing and uh it, it seemed like and that's feeling like something that wasn't trained it just seemed like that was just naturally like who he was as a kid mm-hmm. and was able to convey that like on screen really well john hughes i'd put him up there like i think scott derrickson has that touch too that john hughes has with working with a younger cast and just a part yeah. of it probably casting the right people in like young the children in that role but also just getting good performances out of them they're both really good directors that have a good track record with working with younger folks um but yeah macaulay culkin is to, i don't know what i know this movie comes out when does it release in december uh november, november 16th november right 1990 yeah yeah so depending on when this movie it probably presumably filmed in 1989 at some point maybe even early 1990 so that would put macaulay yeah. culkin at depending on when not around nine years old at filming which is quite impressive right. yeah small and, nine-year-old i wouldn't small ni- <laughs> yeah very know, small nine-year-old. yeah not yeah. eating enough cheese pizza that's for sure yeah, not at all yeah they, they keep stealing it from him man <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> um and he was in uncle buck that's how uh john hughes knew about knew of macaulay culkin and he had done oh, that movie with john, with with john, john candy. candy yeah yeah, yeah. i didn't know and that he, macaulay culkin was in I, that and I guess he suggested to Chris Columbus, like, yeah, he should be the lead. But they said Christopher Columbus met with 200 other kids because he thought it was oh his, director- his directorial duty to, like, look at other kids. Uh, they said John Mulaney was one of them. He was oh. asked to audition for the role of Kevin after being scouted in a children's sketch comedy group. But his, car- but his parents refused the opportunity. And then uh, Columbus finally met with Culkin and agreed he was the right choice um, for the role. And then for uh, Robert De Niro and John Lovis turned down the role of Harry that Joe Pesci later accepted. And uh, and the role of Uncle Frank was written for Kelsey Grammer, but was given to Gary uh, Bamman when Grammer was unavailable to do the movie. Kelsey Grammer? Why is that not who I'm thinking? I thought Kelsey uh, Grammer was like a Fra- female. It's like Frasier like and like... Uh, mm. How do you uh, spell Kelsey? I got to look that up. Oh, hey, look at that. Uh, Comes right up. Oh, from yeah. Cheers as well. Yeah, Cheers. I yeah, thought yeah, Kelsey yeah. Grammer was like a female country singer. <laughs> I'm uh, wrong. Uh, uh, that, I think that's Kelsey. Her name. Uh, I know you're talking about the blonde. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I thought I, there was I, another I think, one. I, I think you have Kelsey. Is that Kelsey Ballerini? Which is like there is a, a Kelsey singer. Ballerini. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But Kelsey Grammer, I've heard of many times and just never realized that he was an actor. Also, that's crazy that John Mulaney's parents didn't let Refute. him star in a movie written by john hughes and directed yep. by chris columbus that is such a missed opportunity well this movie is there's a lot of missed opportunities when it comes to this movie so um warner brothers had eventually like originally set up to make home alone and then john hughes promised that he could make the movie for less than 10 million dollars and that's considerably less than most they said feature film production budgets of that era and they said concerned that the film might exceed that amount uh, Hugh, yeah, Hughes met secretly with 20th Century Fox before production to see if they could fund the project if Warner proved inflexible. They said, according to the executive producer, a copy of the script was uh, clandestinely delivered to Fox, bypassing the legal restrictions that would have otherwise prevented Fox from seeing it until the project was in turnaround. Early in production, the budget grew to $14.7 million, and Warner demanded that it be cut by $1.2 million. The producers responded with a memo arguing that the budget could not be cut any further. Unconvinced, Warner shut down production the next day, but it quickly resumed when Fox took up Hughes on his offer and even gave them a bigger budget of $18 million. Now, what's crazy is that if Warner Brothers saw when they saw how well this movie did, mm. they probably shot themselves in the foot yeah. <laughs> after, the, after that. That's crazy. 
And like, and no one's funny. I guess in 1990, 14 million dollars is a lot of money, but today we'd be like, that's a pretty reasonable. Oh my god, yes, definitely. Yeah. And then uh and then Daniel Stern was cast as Mar, but before shooting started, he was told that the production schedule had been extended from six weeks to eight. He dropped out after as he would not be paid more for the extended schedule. Daniel Roebuck was hired to replace him, but after two days of rehearsal, Columbus felt he was lacking chemistry with Joe Pesci and brought back Stern. Roebuck later said that although he was upset to be fired from the production, he now believed the experience was a little blip of unimportance. That's what you say when you're really kind of upset and don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> that sprinkles some salt on that. Um, Daniel uh, Stern, though, great. Glad because he is awesome as Marv in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and Joe Pesci did play off each other really well. Yeah. I mean, like Daniel Stern being the more like zany one. And mm. I, I, I don't and I mean, Joe Pesci. Because he had done Lethal Weapon two at this point, so that that role is like more comedic uh, than like most of the stuff he's known for, right? But you know, but I, I look at it in today's standards where it's like, oh, I I'm more more familiar with him from Goodfellas and Casino right. and stuff like that. Yeah, so, I don't like, know much pre nineties Joe Pesci. Yeah, so so him doing comedy like this, like I feel like he probably uh, it seemed like he fed off of Daniel Stern a bit more to like kind of be more comfortable, just to be like kind of silly and mm. uh have more fun and all that um i know uh the scene where they have him uh kevin like hooked up on the the kind of coat hanger thing like at the end of the movie like and he's talking about like the treehouse does, you know, it's oh, they, oh after kevin that scene, is on it yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. they're talking about like biting his fingers that joe pitch again <laughs> like again like they, there was a lot where they were like joe he's a child <laughs> like you can't like, you, know, you can't like, do that to him but uh like Daniel Stern and Joe, and mostly Daniel Stern has said like they loved working with Macaulay Culkin, but they did play it as like this kid is like now getting on our nerves, and that's how they kind of treated it, so they could right make it make it more believable that you know they would not want to tolerate being around him because uh, mm. of all the pain he inflicts on them, of course. And it's quite a bit. It's <laughs> it's funny, quite a bit. Yeah, these injuries that they would have sustained in real life would have been much more grotesque than their depicted on yeah. screen like those buckets of paint of the face oh my god that would just yeah. destroy you it would uh so there is a i think i told you there's a horror movie called better watch out where they do it they do the paint thing oh, in that movie nice. and it, it does what you would think it would do to a human being rather than okay, just hanging out, great. rather than like rather than slap sticky like just knocking you out and like making yeah you fall down the stairs. but the physical humor in this movie is actually great it's something that my i remember I think this is back when I had seen the last time because I remember my dad just being in hysterics over particularly Joe Pesci getting injured. He was just yeah. laughing so much. That must have been the last time I'd seen it. But I just makes I think of that every time, like how good the physical humor is in this movie, all thanks to I'm guessing it's well, I don't know. Do you think there's stunt doubles? I, I'm sure they had stunt doubles, but like the stuff that they do focus on where you just see their reactions and their faces, that's the yeah. stuff that's the funniest like yeah. joe, Pe joe pesci's reaction to when like the flame thing goes on his head and he's i was gonna like, say how do you <laughs> they pull that off do you think i that's, don't even know it's gotta be real yeah i mean that, well done though <laughs> very well done yeah. very ballsy very on his behalf holy smokes uh by the way uh filming took place from february 14th 1990 to may 8th 1990 over a course oh. of 83 days okay doesn't seem like a movie that would take 83 days to film no it really doesn't <laughs> no like like it yeah that's interesting uh really that would have that done in like 12 days <laughs> i know right but uh, uh 
Oh, oh, this is interesting too. Uh, cinematographer Julio McCat recalled that Joe Pesci was more difficult to work with than Macaulay Culkin. The older oh, actor believe, believes some of the dialogue was not of a quality of his acting ability. He also resented the early unit calls since they prevented him from starting his day with nine holes of golf as he preferred to do. <laughs> <laughs> After he took the assistant director by the collar one day to complain about this, daily call times were moved back from 7 to 9 a.m. to accommodate his golf rounds. He would On the be other golfing end. <laughs> nine holes before 9 a.m. That's yeah. a dedicated golfer. Um, on the other end of the schedule, the crew had limited time to film the many nighttime scenes since Colkin could not work any later than 10 p.m. due to his age. Oh, even 10 is late. Yeah. That is late for like for nine young. year old. Yeah, geez. Also, that's a lot of late. You know, I I'm I don't know. Do you know um about the stuff that was going on with Macaulay Culkin when he was a kid, like a child actor? And like his his parents and all that stuff. No, I like know he, that is like drug history later in life, but I don't know if that stems from his. I don't know anything about his childhood life. So, so he had like what you would call like stage parents, particularly like a dad that was like very much on set all the time and very demanding. And it wasn't so much. It wasn't so bad on this, but after this was a hit, and then he did Home Alone too. He got a big payday for it. Um, his dad controlled a lot of what was done with his son on set and kind of he became known for all the movies that he did after home alone while he was a co- kid actor. He did the good, that hit. the good son, right? Too. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, was, yeah. His, dad was, his dad was difficult on that too. It was, he was not, um, I think eventually that he got emancipated from his parents like later. Uh, oh my goodness. In life. But it was like, it was pretty bad. And like, it, became, it was like in Hollywood circles, they all kind of knew that the Culkin, dad in particular was very difficult exploitative to yeah yeah and, and it became very hard to want to employ macaulay culkin because of that and uh. i think eventually macaulay culkin rejected wanting to just be a actor at that point because he's like i never got to be a kid i you know mm. want to enjoy myself and like and he was working for his family like most of like it, there's a whole thing about the stuff with his money and wanting to control his money like it's that age-old kind of hollywood story where you know it's it has to be hard when you're a kid and then you're the breadwinner for your family. That's such a dynamic <laughs> that should not be experienced. Right. Right. So like yeah. they're controlling your, your money because you're a minor, but you're making all the money mm-hmm. and by being in front of the camera. So he dealt with um, a lot uh, as a young child actor and he seems very well adjusted now. Uh, like he just got his star on the Hollywood Walk yeah, of Fame, which is right, which was great to kick off like December, like December 1st, he got it. Right and uh and Catherine O'Hara was there, his uh mm-hmm. movie mom, which I think she, other than him, is my favorite. Uh well, I me, mean, I, I like the I like Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, but like she has some really funny great stuff moments. Too. Like, yeah, yeah. Like she's like dead on like some of her dialogue delivery is really good. Mm. Um I yeah, she's hilarious. You really buy her as the desperate mom just trying to get back to her kid on the holidays, right? Like she does a yeah. great job at pleading with people to try to give her a break to get back home and her frustration at not being able to get a flight. She's trapped in another continent from him. And that horror she must be feeling as a mother is I just, I buy it from, from Catherine O'Hara's performance big time. Um, One thing I want to ask you, um, you know, if you're watching this from a kid's eyes, like, would you want to be like in a situation where you would be home alone like that? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Okay, different. I, I take that back a little bit. I was 
an only child. So even though there was, I wasn't home alone nearly at that age. I like, there was plenty of times where like I, my, if my parents weren't in my immediate vicinity. I was really allowed to run around, do whatever I wanted. It felt like I yeah. was alone a lot of the times when I wasn't hanging out with friends. So I guess yeah. I didn't have that, like that lust for, you know, exploring my own house and being left to my own devices. So I can't relate to that exactly. But if I lived in this, lifestyle that he did and had this huge family and just wanted to get away from everybody i think that would have been awesome doing ever doing whatever you want to do at a, at that age is every kid's dream right he literally does it yeah. all he eats ice cream for breakfast watches movies you can't watch yeah like what more could you want to go tobogganing down the staircase like yeah yeah he does it all yeah it's true i mean it really is like the ultimate uh mm. kids fantasy like if you were like left exactly. to your own devices at your home by yourself and i love that he does mostly like child things like, like you said like he eats yeah. junk, junk in the morning yeah. uh and stuff like that he's jumping up and down the bed like that's the kind right. of stuff you would do when you're that young yeah. he's running around that house just kind of like screaming and yelling because he can because no one's gonna like tell him to shut up right um, yeah, I mean, like, I love that they show, like, what it would be like for a kid if they were mm -hmm. in yeah. that situation, at least in the early stages of it, like, you know. Before yeah, it's, it's only a few before, days, I guess. <laughs> Before it turns into a home invasion movie. Because <laughs> yeah. that wouldn't happen in real life at all. Um, Family yeah. Guy makes fun of that really well, um, where they, <sighs> they're they they're watching, I think they're saying they're watching Home Alone, but, like, realistic. And he's oh, at the top my. of the and he's at the top of the stairs, and he's like, "Hey guys, I got a tarantula!" And they just shoot him in the head, and he falls down the <laughs> stairs. <laughs> Family guys, fuck, man. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, that's um, likely what would happen in a yeah, probably real life scenario. Um, uh, I, I do too. I think it's kind of funny how he like is like putting on this facade and trying to be an adult too, uh, as yeah. equally as he's trying to just be a kid enjoying his time home alone. But like he's going through the daily routine, putting on aftershave on. On bear skin like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we get and our like, little, look at our little signature Home Alone yell. And uh, which honestly, like, and, and I've never found that funny. That? I yeah, I've never yeah. that moment. I don't really care for. And we get too many close up Kevin <laughs> McAllister yells. I don't care yeah. for that. It kind of annoyed me, but that's a nit, <laughs> nitpick. The um, one, the one in front of the van cracks me up because the one when he almost gets hit by the uh, sure, yeah, that's a good one because it comes out of nowhere because he's just standing there like, uh, like yeah, like, ah! that's like, a good yeah, one. But but I, I get what you're saying. It's one of those it, things that's like probably iconic, you know, for what it was. And yeah, but yeah, it's not. I don't find it especially funny either. It's just like oh, look no. at that. I just watched him like okay. Plus you get the two, the two aftershave. I could see one. But yeah. you get two aftershave screams. You get one close up in the camera when he's running around. What is he running yeah. around from the first time? I can't remember. Yeah. Wait, is that the one where he's? Oh, is that the one? Oh, yeah. He sees old man Marley outside. Yeah. And that's the longest one. I think he just starts screaming and running through the house. Like, he runs down the hallway, kind of screams hallway, at the camera, then turns around that. and <laughs> runs the other way. Uh, and it's funny, too. funny, I guess. Yeah. That, <laughs> and it's right after he's <laughs> walking out of the. <laughs> How he's declaring he's not afraid anymore to the world. Oh yeah, like he, yeah. Marley's waiting for him. Like, <laughs> that is so great. Some good and I love there. like the only reason why that initial one's kind of funny. I mean, it does go on too long, but I love there's like the pause, and then he looks up at him, and he's mm. looking down at him, and there's like just yeah. that pause in between like the scream, and because he, he's acting so brave before then, and he just like right. runs through the house. Yeah. Again, that's another great scene showcasing like the filmmaking at hand here, like with the different camera lenses and angles that are depicting Kevin as this 
I mean, it even done it again at the church too. Like heaven is so small yeah. and tiny and this man is so looming and large. Um, yeah. and another thing that I wanted to mention too is, uh, and this was pointed out to me in a video. Like I, I don't, and it, before I had watched home alone again, like I'm sure it's, I felt like it was quite obvious watching it, but the color schemes in this movie, uh, have a lot of subtext to them. Like all of Kevin of the McAllister household is draped in red. Like the bedspread yeah. of the parents, most of Kevin's outfits are some are red and green curtains, wallpaper, plates like you yeah. name it there's so much red in there and then shades of green too for like the christmas colors but and uh his mother too with the red hair she also has like a red wardrobe and then but yeah. as soon as they leave all of pretty much the airport and the france sequences are blue it's like very oh, yeah, big contrast right. yeah, and yeah. i think it's showcasing how far apart they are and how they are yeah drastic their circumstances are different and i thought yeah. that was just really neat like just good subtle filmmaking choice to really depict the divide between them and having the colors be such a it's like star wars i guess too right it's just so yeah. obvious like they're good and bad um yeah. but yeah i really appreciated the color choices too it reminded me like stanley kubrick is big on his colors and his films yeah yeah i thought it was just kind of slick kind of like what they like reflect in the scene and what they represent yeah that's pretty cool big and like i it's funny because i you saying that about how i'm kind of realizing it as you're saying it the way mm. the camera does like especially when uh he is around adult figures right make him seem like he's small and they want they want you to see it from a child's eyes like i right. didn't really realize that until you said it and then just saw the scenes where you can picture scenes yeah, when yeah, frank yeah, yeah, is yeah. in his face saying look what you did the little jerk and he's jerk, looking yeah. down at kevin on and the cameras yeah yeah it does a good job painting and, kevin as it was small interesting too kid. like if if you're like the audience for this is going to be mostly kids so they want kids who are watching it to feel that sense of like yes you know, that feeling too yeah yeah and that's how i remembered it as a kid i felt very much like kevin in my yeah. youth watching this movie too i think it just it it did what it set out to do yeah um i also like that um it's completely plausible uh how they leave him by himself um and, yeah uh it, it works i mean they have that what's that annoying neighbor kid that comes over to ask all the questions before they leave <laughs> yeah and he gets mistakenly counted <laughs> by the older um, yes is she the is she a sister or what is it what, she's not oh yeah she's on the sequel and it's probably because she fucked up this first time and they were like you can't go on the family <laughs> trip anymore uh because she is so condescending like did you count everybody and she's like yeah like she has a whole like well, she goes thing. yeah like five boys six girls yeah, zero, blah, 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 and, and yeah. a partridge in a pear tree yeah, yeah. yes which i thought was kind of funny actually yeah yeah but yeah. yeah, I was like, you know, watching as an adult, because like, as a kid, you don't care how he ends up by himself because <laughs> you're like, oh, no, this, exactly. This but as an adult, I'm like, yeah, it would. That's an easy way to like, they thought they counted him. Now, mm. my my mom always says, like, I can't imagine a moment where like you're my child and I wouldn't like turn around at some point or like at as we're even if we're racing to the airport that mm. I wouldn't try to like interact with you in, right. in some way. Because, you know, like the kids all, I mean, I know they're sitting in coach where the parents or the adults are in first class. Right. But like, you know, most parents would be like, well, make sure like they, you got on the plane. <laughs> I guess. <Yeah. laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. You know? Another slick little detail too is when the milk is spilled, you see Kevin's passport or what you assume is Kevin's passport, which it is, gets thrown out in the garbage. Oh, mistakenly oh, okay. too. So they're not looking at that too, which is a small, there's true. a lot of small good details that make this premise as plausible as possible no one's gonna forget yeah. their kid but if it was gonna happen that's probably how it's gonna go down 
We're also lit. This movie exists in a pre 9-11 world, too, where the airport is the airport is very loosey goosey. <laughs> you can mm. just like you can run through it and board super late. You can, uh, I guess, exchange like when she's talking to that, that old couple and she's offering like five hundred dollars or the lady five hundred dollars and her earrings to right. like trade basically spots. I like I was like that. That's never gonna so happen. Yeah. <laughs> not the, like not like whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but you know it's it's a Christmas movie and it's nineteen ninety. Mm. I guess it could have happened then, but right. Yeah, like the the stuff that that, that goes on in that movie. It's like. Oh, another thing too is that the amount the all the groceries that he buys is only nineteen dollars and three cents. Funny that you mention that because that was one of the big takeaways I had. He buys, like, yeah, like, and it's expensive stuff. It was like milk and detergent, yeah, and like, and that in itself is expensive. Now, I don't mean I don't know how much it was in nineteen ninety, right? Uh, but I but was like, God damn, that, I feel that like would those be two, nice. I feel like two of those things, like. Today would be like almost nineteen dollars. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Like, Certainly, that that order that he gets would be like forty bucks. And honestly, that is one of my favorite scenes that he has as an actor in the movie, where he's going back and forth with the cashier. The cashier, yeah, 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 he, yeah. He, and he holds his own because it's also realistic. Because he's just kind of like she's asking him all these questions, like kind of like, "Where's your mom? She's in the car." Where's your dad? Like he's working. He's like, got his answers all <laughs> for, for up, everything. Right? I like how he has his coupon ready for the orange juice. Like he's like, <laughs> yeah. And then I love when she's like, uh, like, where do you live? And he's like, I can't tell you that. And she's like, why not? And she's like, because you're a stranger. stranger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the delivery yeah. so good. He is yeah. a clever, uh, witty kid. Yeah. And I also that like he also shoplifts, but it's because he got scared. He steals yeah. the coupon. <laughs> I don't even count that. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and then he's like, and he even acknowledges like I'm a criminal, which is why he's so yeah. like. <laughs> that is actually probably one of the better lines of them. He's like so down on his luck. You just think like, yeah, he's so despondent. Goes, I'm a criminal. Yeah, <laughs> and then when you think about what he's gonna do later in the movie, it's like, well, dude. I mean, I guess you had a right to protect your home, but like you're also yeah. <laughs> could, committing almost like attempted murder. But they're they're breaking into your spot, so I guess yeah, it's fair. I, I think one of my favorite moments is the what he does with the pizza delivery guy with the the spoof movie that he's playing on the inside with the audio. Yeah, Hilarious. so like uh, for years I thought that was a real movie growing up, and we were always for that. and we were we were like trying to find what it was. It was I was late in the game, and I was like, "That's not a real movie." Like, yeah, no, they just made it up. I think for it's the, a spoof on Angels with Dirty, dirty Faces, faces. Right. Yeah, yeah, which yeah, I don't it's know. Called Angels with that. Filthy Souls, right? Uh, uh, but I do. And they do it, and this is a this is a gag. Even though I, I love Home Alone too, but I will say that like it does repeat a lot of stuff from Home Alone one. And right, it's, yeah, well, it's kind of lazy. It's kind of lazy, but like it's a gag that works two times, and I think it almost works better in the second one when he does it in the hotel room in uh, Home Alone. Is it the same like movie? The, yeah, it's a different. It's it's a they're making fun oh. of it. But it's a different scene though, oh, okay, and he does okay. the same, and he does the same thing with like the pausing and the rewriting to like. Get the okay. hotel staff out of his uh, hotel room, and it's oh, I recall that now. Yeah, is it just, uh, Tim Curry Gavin that plays Tim, the? Oh, uh, Tim Curry, Tim Curry, no, Tim Curry, right, Tim Curry, right. and then and then uh, Rob Schneider is one one of the other uh, bus bikes, yes. uh, and it's just Tim Curry so great in that scene because it's so dramatic because they're all crawling on the ground thinking they're getting shot at, <laughs> and they're like they're just like everyone stay in your rooms like there's a maniac with a gun <laughs> and like this, yeah. Uh, it's a good gag, man. It works really, and they use it twice in the first one too. Like they do it with uh, yeah. the pizza delivery guy, and then with uh, Daniel Stern. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. when he comes back to tell Joe to tell Joe Pesci about what was going on in the house. And like he's really just like he thinks all that went down in the home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, one of his name was snakes. He's like, Do I know a snake? <laughs> and then like was- Joe Pesci's like, Snakes? I don't know a snake. Like it that was great. Yeah. Uh uh, what do you think about Kevin's ability to kind of fake that some people are home? It's very elaborate. Very <laughs> he, elaborate. Um, um very clever I I, intelligence I, as a that age to like i like that you don't that. see what he's doing uh until after you see the reflect or the the shadows and the silhouettes from marv and uh, harry's perspective and then you're like what how like you can tell like yeah some of these people are moving in the same motion but like what is going on and then you see him shaking the the ropes that are like kind of like yeah, yeah. style on all the, his little cardboard cutouts and stuff and it's like that is pretty funny He's a very yeah. prepared kid. Um, very yeah. Prepared. And uh great use of rocking around the Christmas tree, uh, which, yeah. uh, which I, I guess finally went to number one after they said 65 years. Oh, uh, because of this movie. Uh, it, it, it gets a lot of play because of this movie. And then it, it also, I guess they said since 2019 has been like, yeah, kind of biting at the bit under Mariah Carey's uh, All I Want for mm. Christmas is You. Oh, and okay. it finally went to, it finally went to number one uh, last week. Is she, I guess Brenda Lee performed that song when she was 13 years old. Uh, wow. And so, yeah, but, but they said Home Alone is a big reason why this song is so popular. Uh, and it's crazy because there's a bunch of Christmas songs in uh, Home Alone. Yeah, that totally. One, that one, I guess, stands out the most for a lot of people. But yeah, it's a good tune. It's a good tune for sure. Um, yeah, my... <laughs> I, I do love how he's able to put all that together. I'm, and you don't really question how he does it. I mean, it's so elaborate. That right. it would take a lot of t- it would take a lot of time to do. I that. like that we don't really see him prepping it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I mean, I mean, all the prep we need to see is what he does later when he preps the house for bo- booby traps. Or like, yeah. Uh, uh, I forgot one of my buddies said that. Yeah, this is a very fun movie. It's very cute, but we need to acknowledge that Kevin is probably like a future like serial killer. What's the worst <laughs> trap for the for Harry and Marv? Do you think like what's the one that you do not want to go through? I mean, there's so many bad ones. Those boys get there's so many bad up. ones. The one, so there's one that cringes little, me out in particular that I. There's ugh. always the little things that get me the most. It's the yeah. one where he steps on the nail. The that, nail. Like, that's what I was thinking. Throws, throws me, and also oh. even the little ones where he when he climbs to the window and immediately just he steps his bare feet on the ornaments. Oh. How like, do you think they got around that? Because like you're clearly is it just like breakaway glass, like sugar glass? I'm or assuming something? it's like, I'm thinking it's breakaway glass because like. I mean, oh, it looks ugh. so real. <laughs> now he would, but Kevin would have to also. I mean, if you think about it too hard, they're like, well, Kevin would have to know that he would climb in barefoot for that trap to work. <laughs> um, I suppose, like yeah. Some, but yeah. what did he yeah. put down that Marv lost his shoes on? There was that sticky substance oh, that he puts yeah. right. I forgot. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot what it was that he. Yeah, but I know you're talking about. I forgot yeah, what it was exactly. Just, though things do go uh, really, really well for him though, until they don't. But until they don't. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so funny when when he steps on that nail and he just that whole fall back like it's just like a straight like fall from like the step when he steps on the nail like that uh, is very very funny. Oh, I'm thinking too the uh, the Christmas ornaments under the window. It also could have been like a noise indicator, let alone instead of just oh you know, to let him know yeah. that he was coming out. Well, it could be a double. <laughs> yeah, it could be a double uh, sided <laughs> yeah. trap there. Um, I think the yeah, the um, not curling iron, but uh, clove iron 
I don't yeah. know if that has another name oh. I'm blanking here, but that one coming down the, the laundry chute oh, onto Mars face. And, 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 and you just hear like the sound effect that the like it's yeah. you see how fast it's, like, fast it's huh? coming down. Uh, yeah, they would all be dead, by the way. Yeah, oh, so <laughs> many of those things would have like absolutely killed them. Yeah, like <laughs> completely killed them. I mean, it's even worse than the second one when they're throwing like when he's throwing the bricks down at them and they're oh, getting they're that's getting, right. Well, well, it's not so much uh Harry, it's Marv that's getting nailed with the bricks, but like, yeah, like I forgot about that. <laughs> oh like, my goodness, ridiculous! And then I do love the uh, the use of the tar- tarantula. Glad you brought that up because <laughs> uh, that's also really funny too. Uh, that was the scene that actually got the biggest laugh out of me is Marv's scream uh, when it's, oh, like, yeah. it's so real and he sounds like a like a, a shrill woman, like he's so afraid. <laughs> And yeah. I actually, I just saw this on IMDb uh, right before we started recording, and I never would have known this otherwise. But I guess he had to mime that scream, so not to freak out the tarantula, because if he had a scream, oh, like it, would, that, it, would, it would bite. It would bite him. Bite, or I wouldn't want that. I commend Daniel Stern. There's not a fucking chance that tarantula. But you going, have like, oh, let alone, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not even. I'm not even letting that thing out of its tank while I'm in the room. Like, I'm not a spider guy. But to have that on him, on his body, like that is quite impressive. And uh, to have it on his yeah. face, anyway, that scream that he, I'm guessing, like he mimes it and then they just dub his actual scream over it in post. But hilarious. Yeah. That scene. It's just yeah, funny how many of those gags they end up using in the second one because that's his scream. He does that again where he's getting attacked by the pigeons when the pigeon lady, like, throws the bird seed all over them. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming the pigeons are just like pecking at them and he, like, it's just like the pigeons, the they move away. You just see his face, and he just raises up and does that oh, blood okay. curdling scream again. Like it's, but like you said, I guess if it's not broke, don't fix it. So I guess you can keep using the. But you can't get away same. with more than that. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, not at all. And I love when he's like the tarantula's like on his. Uh, uh, he has a crowbar and he's like telling him not yeah. to move because he's just gonna... don't move, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Like, hey, yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just thwacks him. He's like, ah, yeah. Or so no, is it is it Marv hitting Harry or is it Harry hitting Marv with it? Uh, I think. Oh, it's so Marv hitting Harry. Harry. Yeah, Harry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, then Harry gets it back and hits him because how do you like yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How do you like it? And he just does the whole like front of that the whole miming noise again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's so good. Oh, the movie's so funny. Like I, I it, it is. It's funny how like it still it just holds up really well, and I don't know if it's because like we're like <laughs> almost so weird laughing at like in violence like this, but it is so like over the top that it's like what I mean it, it's all it's most of it is what a child would do, right? Like putting the ornaments <laughs> down, putting putting the little cars down so that when they run through the living room, that they'll like good. slip on them. Uh, yeah, like it is mostly stuff a kid would do. Um, I would even I would even know how to do the whole paint can thing as a child like i don't even know how he, yeah that's pretty elaborate. how he thought to, uh, how he thought to rig that up the trip wire is pretty good too yeah had it all well thought uh, yeah the, 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 plan. and the and the blowtorch uh, yeah like the, the, that is like, yeah a little bit unbelievable yeah um, there's a lot of it that's just like i'm wondering what it is he puts on the door handle to get the searing doorknob and how joe pesci oh, misses it, that to heat it yeah. up. i know yeah. you can see it also, clearly glowing from also the they are desperate to break into this house because at, at a certain point because like they are hurt a lot before they even get in 
And yeah. I just like I just be at that point I'm like, dude, it's not worth it. I'm giving up. Like, let's not, yeah, let's give up. Like I, clearly I'm, we're not meant to go in this house. But then again, like I get I guess like the temptation is real because they know the family's not there, they know all these valuables are and in it's there. Just a they child. Can assume, like how hard can it be? And I guess like the more hurt they get, the more motivated they probably are to get in. But yeah, I agree. After oh, after stepping on that nail, I'm calling her quits. And that's yeah. after taking a, the iron to the face, isn't it? Yeah. Poor yeah. Marv. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Um, I mentioned some of this earlier, but they said on set it was Pesci and Cern both had difficulty refraining from cursing, which became annoying to Pesci since Culkin was on set as well. They said, in fact, the only curse words that made it into the film were shit, accidentally said by Daniel Cern when his shoe fell through the pet door, and hell, which was said by both Pesci and Cern after their characters encounter one another after going through Kevin's uh, booby traps and by Johnny to the character of snakes and angels with filthy souls. Right. Pesci's Pesci's use of cartoon cursing or menacing gibberish garnered uh, comparisons to Looney Tunes character Yosemite Sam. <laughs> and, <laughs> That's funny. And then in, in terms of the stunts, they said the Columbus said every time the stunt guys did one of the stunts, it wasn't funny. We watched it and it would just pray that the guys were alive. Stunts were originally prepared with safety harnesses, but because of their visibility on camera, the film's final stunts were performed without them. Troy Brown and Leon Delaney were stuntmen for Pesci and Stern, respectively. An injury had occurred between Pesci and Culkin during one of the rehearsals for the scene in which Harry tries to bite off Kevin's finger. Culkin still has the scar on his finger from the bite. Oh, he actually... uh, Wow. Yeah. yeah. This is because he's probably like, I'm a real actor. Yeah, true. And then uh, they said... uh, the one of the most difficult scenes to shoot was the family's run through O'Hare International Airport to catch their flight. While it does not last long, it required several days to film. There were thousands of extras, all expertly choreographed, so none of us would be in danger running at full speed through the American Airlines terminal. Uh, and we ran at full speed. Sometimes we bump into each other like a multi-car pileup on the expressway and just crack up laughing. There were so many setups and nearly missed moments of disaster. But to my knowledge, no one got hurt. Okay, I don't feel like I. Wouldn't have expected that would be that difficult to film, like them running through the airport. Yeah. It's funny that it's like multiple days to do that. Yeah, like, and it's just like we talk about that on here a lot about organized chaos in certain yeah. scenes. That seems like, I, like that feels like that would be easy to do, but totally. I guess they have to make it look pretty realistic that yeah. they would be in a rush running through the airport. Uh, and again, something you couldn't do today, <laughs> not definitely like that. not. No, you, you, they would like not stop you outside of a movie that. set. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What the yeah. hell are you? What the hell are you doing? Uh, do you do you like uh, what ends up becoming the the story for uh, the older guy? Like he, you know, his family. He has to talk to him, and like, and Kevin has that whole conversation with him at the church. And yeah, again, it seems like Kevin's probably better at talking to adults than the other children. Yeah, <laughs> we hardly like... even see him interact with other kids. I think it's a really yeah. heartwarming part of the story too, and. I especially love that we go from being af- afraid, if you will, of uh, old man Marley to sort of like realizing he's just like a human. He's got his own problems, just like anybody else. He's nothing really to be yeah. feared. And in fact, it's actually a very sweet old man. Very different than his role in Christine as LeBay there. Eh? Right. All right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Completely um, different. That's why so, I yeah, think no. most of that was in Kevin's head. Like the whole like being afraid mm-hmm. of him. Like, or maybe Definitely. like he, maybe, maybe he wasn't always looking menacing at him. Like, I think, it's just like the furthest thing, and like, yeah. Because when he when he approaches him at the like the church, like he kind of is like afraid for like a second, and then 
you know, like, you know, at this point he's not anymore. And then they mm-hmm. just have this, <laughs> Kevin has a really adult conversation with him that most kids that age would not have with adults, but <laughs> certainly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you no, buy it just because yeah. I guess kids don't got that John Hughes writing behind <laughs> their dialogue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I thought <laughs> it was I also think it's funny that throughout this entire experience, Home Alone and Home Alone 2, they don't know anything that Kevin goes through, uh, the parents <laughs> of the family at all. Right. Like, I just love that there is a, I love that there's this disconnect between what the family is going through when they're away from him and yeah. what Kevin is going through on his own. And it's like there's two different movies happening. And totally. They, and they don't really converge until, you know, the mom comes back home after a very long journey getting back home. Yeah. But I just think it's funny that he goes through this whole ordeal and doesn't that no one knows about it like at all. True, and you feel like throughout the course of the movie, you feel like the house is more or less getting destroyed. Destroyed, but yeah, they come, yes, that's yeah. true. They come back to uh, I guess Pretty he neat. stayed up all night and like no, I don't know. <laughs> I guess except for like, Buzz's room because it ends with Buzz being no. like, Kevin, what'd you do yeah, to my yeah, room? Which my is room. Yeah. hilarious, and then I'm pretty sure it ends right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, he must have done some serious cleanup because he's like they're seeing like he's stomping through the house with his like snowy boots on, stomping on his parents' bed, like all the yep. traps set around the house, the the feathers. Think of the disaster that was. Oh, the, yeah. the feather thing is hilarious. Why are you dressed like a so chicken? Like, yeah. Why are you dressed like a chicken? <laughs> that was it's awesome. So yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I think it's funny that they never know that, mm. like at all, that he you know <laughs> there was a, a home invasion robbery at their house. And I know I, there's another small detail about their travel home that I really think is a good moment for um, Kevin's mother, who I don't even know. Is her name mentioned? Oh, uh, what is her shoot. name? Or I guess well, uh, I'm on IMDb. I don't know why I don't just look at no, it. No, her name is Kate. Kate. Kate, MDB. yes. Yeah. So it's funny. She gets home to Kevin literally mere seconds before the rest of the family piles through the door. And she's like, yeah. how did you guys get home? And uh, the dad goes like, we took the flight the next morning when you didn't want to wait for. Her. So it's funny that although they get home at the same time, she's still going through this constant journey of getting home to him and not stopping anywhere. Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, like the rest of the family just sit, probably have a relaxing night, catch up on some sleep and take the morning flight. But she just can't cope with that yeah. and has to be continuously returning to him. I think that that's such a motherly way of Wait, approaching yeah. the story. Yeah. yeah, and I actually think that's probably cool that they do it that way. I do. That's like you know because it is such a movie thing that they the rest of the family arrives soon after she does. Yeah. Um, but I guess I guess that's just you know to show how her desperation of wanting to right. get home to her son and mm-hmm. like kind of what she the kind of stakes she goes through. Right. Even uh, hanging out with a polka loving John Candy who's yeah. only paid only paid four hundred and fourteen dollars to uh, oh. do that. For, uh, to Definitely a favor the, role to John. Uh, John or. Uh, We'll probably add a John yeah. Hughes. I'm guessing. He was only uh he was only available for one day to film his scenes, and they took 23 hours to shoot. He was paid <laughs> only 414 dollars since he did the fav- film as a favor to Hughes. Uh, huh. he said in return he was the only actor Hughes allowed to go off script, according to Columbus. All his dialogue nice. was improvised. I did not know half of what he was saying. I don't know what polka means. Uh, it's like a type of music, right? I, I guess. guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I and know. I guess Catherine O'Hara is just like listening to it. What's funny because she's super funny too. Like she could improv with the best of them if she wanted to. Because mm. like I love her on Shit's Creek like when she was on that show, and like she's hilarious. But uh, I think it's funny that you have all these like kind of natural comedians, and they were like, "Yeah, only <laughs> you, only you can improv, <laughs> and no one else can go off script." Maybe because they worked together before. Who knows? Yeah, that's 
that's cool but uh yeah 23 hours of film like one scene only at 404 that's such a weird exact number too like 414 dollars yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, how do you arrive at that that yeah that's that's crazy yeah hmm. i mean good haul for one day of work i mean a full day but it's not too bad yeah not too bad at all um what um yeah what you already said that uh your favorite trap was the nail thing right that was the one that bothered you the well most. it's one that bothers me the most for sure i think the spider scene is like my favorite of them all because it gets the biggest laugh out of me i guess it, i don't know if, it's more of a moment of convenience more so than a trap but it has the same effect it slows slows them both down which is the point yeah. Yeah. I do love when they were are they're going across the uh, uh, he ziplined over and he, and then he just sets the rope on fire which is like <laughs> or yeah. starts to cut it and yeah. like just starts to cut it off yeah 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 I'm thinking of some too where he sets the rope on fire sorry uh, but uh, yeah like it's just that awesome. that's so already hilarious and I guess I would be pretty pissed off at him too I the <laughs> as a child you're like nothing's gonna happen but as an adult like they were going to kill him. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that, probably. That, that, I mean, that is what was going to happen to yeah to him at the end of that. Had uh, I mean, he planned everything out. I mean, I'm glad that Old Man Marley was knew what knew what was going on. I guess <laughs> yeah, certainly he was paying attention. Um, uh, either he's paying attention or Kevin. I don't know if Kevin. No, he didn't have time to tell him anything. No, the, the he leaves like he does. Yeah, so I guess he just. That's why I asked if he was homeless because he was like skulking around. Just <laughs> right. I think he just looked over at the right time. Yeah, it's a good way to kind of mm -hmm. save the day. There's like I think those are the only two things he doesn't plan for because he doesn't know the spider thing is going to happen. That like they when they're grabbing him by the leg, that's just a moment of like convenience of the spiders yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the old man saving him at the end, and then he's like, Which, "Oh yeah, let's just get, let's get you home." <laughs> it's funny how he uses the shovel because that was what was teased as his murder weapon earlier in the movie. Yeah, that's what Buzz or one of the cousins are saying he got away with his murders with, and then it ends up being the thing that he uses to yeah. lay the beat down on Marvin Harry, which is kind of funny. And the cops don't do much to investigate. Cops suck in this movie. Yeah, no, I do investigate. Like, yeah, you caught you caught them, but like they are clearly severely injured. How did this happen? Yeah, I'm sure one of them would have been like, "Yo, the kid next door <laughs> did this," yeah. and they would have gone over. I love like you know thinking about the real life implications of like they would have to like talk to him right <laughs> interrogate interrogate kevin especially since and they would like you know he lives next door so they would go did you guys hear anything this canvas area a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that's hilarious but when they <laughs> that, when they do finally are able to get one police officer to go over and check out the house he like tries to open the door and then it's like yeah well it looks secure to me i don't see anybody no one's home it's like that oh yeah really he's like it. And then he just like tell him to cut the kids again. <laughs> he just leaves. <laughs> yeah, big help. Big but help. I guess you can't have two competent officers, or else you probably wouldn't have the movie that you have. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, there there would be no movie if like the adults were smart and doing their jobs. Yeah, exactly. And doing their and doing that's their right. jobs. Yeah, like you have to. There has to be a suspension of disbelief that Certainly. this kid could actually. Yeah. But I mean, I think that uh, Macaulay Culkin overall sells it. Like you believe, even though you are suspending your disbelief that this you know, this is all a fantasy. Mm. But like you believe that, like you know, Kevin would be that intuitive and that resourceful. And it, I, I buy it. I mean, it, me too. It is for what it is, for what it is. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't uh, be remiss not to mention John Williams' score, which is also really good. It's very like uh, 
very Christmassy in all the right spots. Uh, Definitely. The opening Home Alone song is probably pretty memorable as far as uh, movie theme music. And then Somewhere in My Memory is also a big, uh, the song they play it towards the end of the movie is also pretty well known too. I'm looking to see if he got any significant awards. I think he got uh, an Oscar nominee. Yep. Uh, best oh, original. nominated for two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, best original score and best original song. Nice. Um, yep. And uh, this was more of a huge box office uh, film. They said Home Alone was the number one film at the box office for 12 consecutive weeks from its release Ooh. weekend of November 16th through the 18th, 1990, through the weekend of February 1st through the 3rd, 1991. Holy. It was re- it was removed from the top spot when Sleeping with the Enemy opened with $13 million. Uh, it remained in the top 10 until the weekend of April 26th, well past Easter weekend. It made two more appearances in the top 10, the weekend of May 31st through June 2nd, and the weekend of June 14th through the 16th, before finally falling out of the top 10. After over nine months into its run, the film had earned 16 times its debut weekend, which was uh, $17 million. Uh, and and ended up making a final gross in the the states of two hundred eighty five point seven million dollars, and then worldwide uh, four hundred seventy six million dollars. The film is listed in the Guinness World Records as the highest grossing live action comedy ever, and it held that record until The Hangover Part Two was released in two thousand eleven. That is crazy. Yeah, very impressive overall. Yeah. By the time the film had run its course of theaters, Home Alone was the third highest grossing film of all time worldwide in 1990 or 91, as well as in the United States and Canada behind Star Wars at the time and E.T. the Extraterrestrial at the time. Uh, Box Office Mojo estimates that the film sold over 67.7 million tickets in the United States. It was also the highest grossing Christmas film until it was surpassed by Dr. Seuss's The Grinch in 2018. So, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, and 65%, I, yeah. yeah, 65% on Rotten Tomatoes, so it's fresh, but uh, not like not as fresh as that you would think, considering how many people, how much people love the movie. Yeah, I know that's but, definitely not as high as I would picture uh, that. But... Yeah, it has an A cinema score. Um, Entertainment Weekly gave it a D, uh, criticizing criti- criticizing the film for a sadistic festival of adult bashing. Uh, and the reviewer said that John Hughes is pulling our strings as though he never learned to do anything else. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, Roger Ebert gave the movie two and a half out of four stars. Um, he compared the elaborate booby traps in the film to uh, Rube Goldberg machines writing there. The kind of the kinds of traps that any eight year old could devise if he had a budget of tens of thousands of dollars and the, <laughs> assistance, of a, and the assistance of a crew of movie special effects people. And he criticized the plot as so implausible that it makes it hard for him to really care about the plight of the kid, Kevin. However, he praised Calkin's performance. Okay. Jeez. I think See, I, I, I would I would think a bunch of old funny duddy critics wouldn't like the movie though. <laughs> I guess, but like what do you really like? Who cares that the plot is implausible? That's like half the point of entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I just find that such a silly criticism. Like, yeah, of course this wouldn't happen, but that's part of escapism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Home Alone remains a highly popular Christmas movie in Poland, where it is played uh, on Polsat every Christmas Eve. In 2010, Polsat did not play Home Alone, which caused over 90,000 people to protest on Facebook. Oh, my God. (laughs) In 2017. I know. In 2017, over 4.4. 
a million polls tuned in to Pulsat to watch Home Alone. Since the 2010s, his TV trailers even include a tagline that acknowledges his popularity. Christmas without him, it's absolutely impossible. That's, <laughs> That's wholesome. crazy, too. That's wholesome, yeah. Quite the legacy for your movie, too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it's, uh, like I said, it's praised for its quotable phrases, morals, traps, and main character. And it's it deemed a Christmas classic by... And and they said like people who reviewed it in the years since this release, like I I I wonder what makes people want to reevaluate movies, because they actually said some people who reviewed it in 1990 re reexamined it again and actually liked it more now than they did in 1990. Yeah, I, I'm curious too what compels people to do that. But I mean, for your own records, maybe like that's I like to you know go back and look at movies that I've once reviewed and rated and see how they hold up. But like critically like as when it's your job i don't know there's something about like how you feel about some coming out of something when you see it for the first time that is like timeless that shouldn't really be manipulated but we were discussing that in our previous episode there but yeah but yeah i mean i don't know it's it's like it's such a big classic for a lot of people i think and a Mm -hmm. staple of their childhood and it's i and i what i think what i think is cool about it is that it can be passed on to so many different like down the line, like, oh, I think, generations like, no matter, and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I think there, there's a timeless quality to it where definitely, yeah. You know, other than the other than how much things cost nineteen dollars and three cents for groceries, that'll uh, age or <laughs> date it. Yeah, for sure. Date it, yeah, know. but but it does, it doesn't feel like you know. Uh, yeah, certain movies are a product of its time, but this one kind of feels like it could could have easily been released yesterday. Like just the feel of it and the overall, right? Like, yeah, the sense. I'd be of, curious like, to know, everything. like how many kids today have seen this movie, if they still find it relatable or if like they could be bothered to put their phones down or tablets down to watch it or, you know what I mean? I know. I mean, I, and I think, but I think there's something that about Kevin as a kid in this movie, personality wise, that probably transcends kind of years and generations where like, there, sure are a lot of, right. there are a lot of kids like him, like today. Um, and it might be easier for them to watch it and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And you know, and especially once they get to all the slapstick violence, they probably really enjoy uh watching Certainly. it. Certainly, it's hilarious. Um, and by the way, uh Colkin was paid 4.5 million dollars to appear in, in the sequel compared to the hundred and ten thousand dollars that he was paid for the original because he was uh you know wasn't a big star when he made the first movie. Right. And then and, it made uh, all that money that it did. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, and then and then Home Alone 2 has a 35% on Rotten Tomatoes compared to the 65% of home alone wow i guess i mean it's yeah same same movie i guess that kind of wore off on people and they wanted maybe something different or i don't know maybe it was this seems like an earlier example of a movie that did well financially and then you know that justified the sequel probably wasn't necessary yeah and i don't think anyone saw it coming the way like for a movie to even then to leg it out like that like 12 weeks of number one and then the play in theaters that long as long as it did like it's uh the play, it played well through the holiday season into the next year. Uh, it was in the top mm. 10 until like May of next year. That's crazy. Yeah, it's a long I stretch. Get behind a legacy sequel where Kevin's grown up and his kid gets left behind. And it gets lost. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Yeah, yeah, depending on how it goes. Because there was a yes. really terrible remake or sequel done in the last couple of years, wasn't there? Yeah, well, we had we had Home Alone 3 in 1997. Uh, it's not a Christmas movie, and, and no one from the original is in it. Right. 
Um, Strange. And, and the kid is actually defending his home from a band of international criminals. I think they're terrorists. It's a terrorist organization in that Jesus. one. Jesus. <laughs> uh, what? And, and, uh, uh, but uh, John Hughes did write the screenplay for it. So. <laughs> he did. Yeah. He, he did yeah, write yeah. it. Oh, for Home Alone Three, yeah. And then Home Alone Four, Taking Back the House came out in two thousand two. I don't know any of these beyond Home Alone Three. I have no, seen Home Alone Three. And then there was uh, the a fifth film, The Holiday Heist, that was on ABC Family. And then they did a Disney Plus movie in twenty twenty one called uh, Home Sweet Home Alone. That's what I'm thinking and, of. And uh, the guy who played Buzz actually reprise his role in that film i don't know anything about them the latter sequels after three though probably for the best <laughs> oh my gosh scarlett johansson is in home alone three i think it might be one of her first movies Ah, uh, holy yeah that looks scary i'm not uh i would never watch that <laughs> it looks scary <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i can't believe john hughes wrote that 79.1 million that movie made on a 32 million dollar budget compared to how massive the other movies were Okay, that's a bold move to try to make a sequel without the the main ingredient yeah. that made that that one work. And I'm not even talking about just Joe Pesci and Daniel. Like the main ingredient is the kid, it's right. Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. And I guess you could think. I mean, I guess the idea is like, oh, we'll find a new kid and he can kind of replicate, take the mantle. That, but, yeah. But no, sorry, sorry, um, Alex D. Linz, that did not happen uh, for you. No. Okay. He was in Max Keeble's big move, though. I do remember that. Oh, I remember that movie, too. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was a huge like, <laughs> family channel. hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I do remember that. All right. So uh, any final thoughts on? Uh, Just ready alone? to rate it. Like, I enjoyed this quite a lot, even more than I thought. I mean, <clears throat> like in terms of filmmaking, like I think this is one that I'm rating based on my like enjoyment of it more than like how I think it holds up as a film. Although I do think there's a timeless quality to it and there yeah. is great writing and filmmaking and just like movie making dynamics in this movie but i think i like it more than like more than it is good as a movie if you will um but i'd put it like probably an eight like i really enjoy i thought it was a lot of fun you know charming funny and a lot all the right moments like timeless like i'll, I'll revisit it. i'm sure this will be a movie i watch several more times around the holidays throughout my life yeah, yeah what yeah. about yourself um i'd probably give it 8.5 Okay, it's, nice. it's, it's, it's it's super entertaining. It never fails to entertain me. It mm-hmm. moves pretty quick too. It's like doesn't overstay its welcome. No, yeah, no, and, that's uh, a great point. And, gotta... and it has like so many different pieces that are working together too. Like there's so like True. like I said, it almost feels like there's multiple movies going on within the the one movie because you just have like the stuff with him being home alone. You have the you know the stuff with the mom trying to get back home. Like and then you know mm-hmm. even like the the two robbers have their own little thing before they like, you know, converge with him. So like, yeah, it feels like there's a lot little pieces going on at the same time and they all really work. And I think it's a combination of Chris Columbus direction and John Hughes writing. Like they really, they knew exactly what the movie was. Yeah. I and like, vision. and like, and, you know, they knew it was like kind of like a cartoon, but they also knew that it had like heart in like all the right places mm-hmm. as well. So I think that's uh, yeah, pretty important. As well, definitely. Oh, yeah, if I'm missing, I'd say I take away a point or two for the uh, overabundance of Kevin McAllister screams, but that's really my own. <laughs> <laughs> got, got docked two points for uh, yeah, too, too many screams. <laughs> Next year, though, I gotta check out Home Alone 2. 
I think it's been too long, but I remember some yep. good funny sequences that you brought up during this that I makes me want to watch it. Yeah, and yeah, and also I will say Home Alone too. I watched it. Uh, I went to New York three, four years ago, I think, mm. and watched it with a uh, friend in New York. It hits differently in New York when you're actually oh, there. I guess there watching this year. Yeah, and then like, and then like, because like we had gone to like a lot of these places that we that are in the movie, and so like it was. It's a trip just watching it in that environment because, like, yeah, I don't think definitely. anywhere there are a lot, a lot of places that feel the feel the Christmas spirit more than New York, I guess, because they mm -hmm. it it's hard to get that here. We try to duplicate it uh, but, in LA, and it's yeah. not you know it's hard to do that when it's like eighty degrees on December in, you know tenth. <laughs> so like, oh it's like, like yeah, so yeah. it's hard to like you know get that. But I I love uh, the holiday season out there, so mm -hmm. definitely hits different. Uh, but yeah, I mean, but you don't really watch you don't really watch a lot of Christmas movies. But like, would this be like tops? Yeah, oh for sure. I mean, I've never really done a definitive ranking of my favorite Christmas movies because I've never sat down long enough to think about them. But I'd put this up there. I also just need to see a lot more to make a definitive list. But like, I still am skewing Gremlins in terms of like that movie's just more for me. But this is up there for at least in terms of like your uh standard christmas movies this would be high for sure yeah. all right i yeah. agree all right man well once you uh sign, sign us, us off. off yeah so yeah. i think we still got a couple more traditional benjamin's movies to cover but this has been another great uh, addition to our mini series this month of december and that makes episode 138 of back to the blockbuster another uh great episode and looking forward to what we have coming to you guys for the rest of the month uh thank you guys for listening and joining us on this uh adventure and talking about home alone with us stay tuned for us on social media and wherever you guys get your podcasts at back to the blockbuster as we are slowly getting towards 2024 and we got a lot of stuff planned and we will be revealing a little bit more of what we have in store for you guys on socials and of course within our episodes too we are both very excited and uh, of course, Gaius, thanks a lot for uh, chatting movies again with me and looking forward to our next episode next Thursday. You guys take care of yourselves. Peace.